0: Thank you for listening, downloading, sharing, subscribing, commenting, donating, and praying for us, and for going to BrotherLance.com to get the free PDF of this teaching. I hope to do with this study is to show that God wants to be with you pretty much more than you want to be with Him. So it's not a matter of, does God want to be my friend? It's a matter of, are you willing to be His friend? talking but we're just gonna lay it on thick like it's peanut butter on a sandwich we're gonna put it so thick there ain't gonna be no doubt how God feels about his children and how willing he is to be in their lives if they want him they're like listen guys this can be done doesn't mean we're perfect doesn't mean we'll make mistakes because none of the people in the Old Testament were perfect <laughs> a lot of them even Elijah a lot of them had issues or doubts or you know did things off and you know but there wasn't the point God wasn't saying "Oh, you have to be 100% perfect before we can be friends he goes no I want the intent of your heart to be wholly holy mind. now you might fail and drag your face on the ground every now and then I'll forgive you for that but as long as you keep coming my direction we're gonna be good right because he understands our condition okay you know, and so he knew that the recipe for this relationship with God is obey God. OK, so that's our recipe. You want a close relationship with God, obey him. It's not hard. Dear Holy Father, we praise you. We thank you so much for getting us through another week. Somewhat of a crazy week and for blessing us and giving us strength to endure and have peace in our hearts despite all the struggles and situations. So we glorify you. We lift you up. Thank you for loving us, calling us into your kingdom. Bless us today with the Holy Spirit. Guide us into your truth and teach us your way. Help us understand how much you want to be friends with us and that we can be friends with you. And so we praise you. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yes, yeah. Okay, so this is part one of a multi-part study, Escape from Babylon, the series, part one, being God's friend. Good choice of song, Lorian. So let's read the verse. Focus verse. 1 John 4:19. We love him because he first loved us. That's our focus verse, right? That's what we want to think about, and that's what we're going to use as our motivation for this study. Now You're thinking, okay, Lance, this is escape from Babylon. So you're thinking, okay, this is escape from Babylon. So the whole point of leaving Babylon is to be with God. Mm -hmm. So I figured it'd be best, instead of giving this multi-part series of how to get out of Babylon, what it looks like, what the problems are, put the reason first. Mm -hmm. The reason is to have a relationship with God. Right? We want to be with our Lord, our maker, our creator. And so... What the I hope to do with this study is to show that God wants to be with you pretty much more than you want to be with him. Mm-hmm. So it's not a matter of, does God want to be my friend? It's a matter of, are you willing to be his friend? And so we're going to go basically an overview of scripture here. And I had some parameters why I chose the verses I chose. And I had six pages of extra Bible verses I didn't use. And so I was trying really hard to whittle this thing down to a manageable content. And uh, those other verses we'll probably use up in other studies. But uh, so let's read the top. It says, friends of God found in the Bible said, I hope as we read these great testimonies, you will be inspired to know that regular people just like you have been friends with God, approved and accepted. It is possible through faith in Jesus and empowered by the Holy Spirit to have a deep meaningful friendship with God. Most importantly, he wants to have this relationship with you. So that verse here, let's read it. Second Chronicles 16 9a for Yahweh's eyes run back and forth throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. Right. So right now, this very moment, God's eyes is upon the earth, searching out people that love him. Right? I encourage myself with this verse. I'm like, hey, God, here I am. Look at me. I love you. you know. And so right now, God is actively looking for people to give him glory, to worship him, but to be his friend. Okay. So Job 34, 21 says, God's eyes are on a person's ways. He sees off his steps. Mm. Right. So each one of us are being looked at by God because we claim the name of Jesus. Right. We say we love God. We accept Jesus. Right. So that means we have God's attention. Okay. And so everything we do in life matters. Right. And so we have to act in a way that lets God know by our actions that we want to be his friend. Okay. And so Sarah brought up a good point and I actually meant to put this in here. And I didn't put Adam as number one. And the verse I was going to put is that God walked into the, in the cool of the garden. Mm -hmm. Right. And I didn't put that verse. This is in Genesis first couple chapters. And so what was interesting about that is that God was walking towards Adam he wasn't making adam present himself to him like i'm going to show up three times a day at this spot you be here and be ready to worship me no god was walking to adam when they were caught in sin god walked to them where are you hiding what's going on as a good dad would right Mm -hmm. and so but sorry i forgot to put that in there but thanks to sarah I, i was able to talk about it so enoch genesis 5 22 through 24 after he became the father of methuselah Enoch walked with God for 300 years and he had other sons and daughters. The entire lifetime of Enoch was 365 years. Enoch walked with God and then he... Disappeared because God took him. I love the disappeared part, right? But that doesn't tell us the whole story. We have to go to the New Testament. It says Hebrews 11, 5. It says, faith enabled Enoch to be taken instead of dying. No one could find him because God had taken him. Scripture states that before Enoch was taken, God was pleased with him. Hmm. Right. So imagine getting it so right in this life that God's, God goes, man, I just really want to be in your presence. Why don't you come up here with me? You know, and Enoch wasn't a special person like, you know, some superhuman being. And that's one thing we really want to focus here. These are regular people, right? These are just ordinary folks that are human beings living on the earth and they got it right. Right. And so and God responds to that. Okay, so let's keep going. We're just going to do a lot of reading, a little bit of talking, but we're just going to lay it on thick like it's peanut butter on a sandwich. We're going to put it so thick there ain't going to be no doubt how God feels about his children and how willing he is to be in their lives if they want him. Okay, so Noah, Genesis 6, 8 through 9. But the Lord was pleased with Noah. This is the account of Noah and his descendants. Noah had God's approval and was a man of integrity among the people of his times. He walked with God, right? I love that, just like with Enoch. Hebrews eleven seven says... By faith, Noah, being warned about these things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared a ship for the saving of his house, through which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. In other words, he trusted what God said. He had faith and he put it to action, right? So now we have Enoch. We have Noah that he walked with God and he pleased him and he goes righteous among his generation. And God was like, that's a guy I can get along with. Okay, so top of page two. We got Moses, Exodus 33, 17 through 23. The Lord answered Moses, I'll do what you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Man, uh, stop there. I know you by name. What does that infer? That 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 tells us that God doesn't really associate with people by their names as much as we might think, right? Because biblically speaking, name have, have authority and power, right? That's why often you see people getting new names in scripture and Paul, you know, Saul who became Paul, you know. And, and so names mean something to God. So when he says, I know you by name, that means, okay, there's a next level relationship going on. Here, right, and so we have to not just guide past that. I want God to know me by my name, you're like, you know, I know Lance, you know, I know that guy. You know, and that's something we all should want. Okay, verse 18. Then Moses said, please let me see your glory. The Lord said, I will let all my goodness pass in front of you. And there I'll call out my name, the Lord. I'll be kind to anyone I want to. I will be merciful to anyone I want to. But you can't see my face because no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, look, there's a place nearby. Stand by this rocky cliff. When my glory passes by, I'll put you in a crevice in the cliff and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I'll take away my hand, my hand, my hand away and you'll see my back but my face must not be seen so what is it God loves his children right and so Moses was like hey yeah, I really would like to see your face and God's like well I can't really let you see my face but I'll let you see all my goodness mm-hmm. I will walk past you and give you as much as I possibly can that won't kill you mm-hmm. right just because you asked that's awesome. And if you look in scripture, you see this playing out a lot, you know, is because they asked or because they wanted or because they said something. God honored it to honor them and honor himself. Right. And so that's where we want to be with God. they will be like, God, I would love to see your glory. You go, OK, you know, not big deal. You want, I love you. Let's do that. So Hebrews eleven twenty three through 30 says in the New Testament, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw what he, he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to share ill treatment with God's people than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a time. Right. And stop at 26. We're showing here, just like in the previous one, what Moses did to please God. What made him happy with him? So these are the things that Moses did that made God happy, right? Okay. 26. Accounting the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasure of Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. 28. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, and the destroyer of the firstborn should not touch them. 28. 29 by faith they passed through the Red Sea as on dry land when the Egyptians tried to do so they were swallowed up by faith the walls of Jericho fell down and after they had encircled for seven days and so what are we seeing here okay and that was obviously uh, last one I should have cut that one over for somebody else but anyways the <laughs> point is being this it's showing God's faithfulness but the point is is that Moses was doing these things that were pleasing to God and that created a bridge for a relationship through faith to have a friendship. Right? Okay. So, Abraham. James 2, 23 through 24. The scriptures uh, uh, passage came true. It says, Abraham believed God that faith was regarded by God to be his approval of Abraham. So, Abraham was called God's friend. You see that a person receives God's uh, approval because of what he does. Not only because of what he believes. Mm -hmm. Right? And so, Abraham becomes God's friend because of what he did, right? So what does it say about us? Because this is what we're trying to figure out here, and that's what the whole point of this study is. What we do matters, right? Just like in any relationship, if you're going to woo your wife or husband or you're going to try to start a relationship with another human being, your actions show your intent, right? Like, I want to be your friend. Hey, Like when you're a kid, you want to play at recess, Right? And that's what we do as kids. And you know, we get as adults, hey, you want to go get a bite to eat? You want to go get a coffee? You know? And so Abraham was doing these things to show that, hey, God, I want to be with you. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. So Isaiah 41 8, but you are my servant, Israel, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the sons of Abraham, my dear friend. Right. More verses showing that Abraham was God's dear friend. Let's go to the next one. Genesis 18, 17 through 19. The Lord said, I shouldn't hide what I'm doing, uh, going to do from Abraham. After all, Abraham is going to become a great and mighty nation. And through him, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his family after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. In this way, I, the Lord, will do what I have promised to Abraham. Right? And so he's like, listen, I've chosen Abraham. Him, he's chosen me. We have this relationship. Uh, next one, Hebrews 11, 17 through 19. When God tested Abraham, faith led him to offer his son Isaac. Abraham, the one who received the promise from God, was willing to offer his only son. Top of page three. As a sacrifice. Verse 18, God had said to him, through Isaac, your descendants will carry on your name. Abraham believed that God would bring Isaac back from the dead. Abraham did receive Isaac back from the dead in a figurative sense, right? So these are the actions. God said do, Abraham did, and it was accounted as faith, and it built a friendship. My dear friend what so what does that tell us what we do matters how we live our life matters where we invest our time how we treat each other all these things matter so if you want to build that friendship bridge with god start with what you're doing (laughs) right Uh, (laughs) repent and be baptized right repentance is 180 go back the other way stop sinning Mm -hmm. right do something different do it god's way okay so let's look at daniel uh, Daniel, eight, uh, ten, nine through twenty-one. Yet I heard the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then I fell into a deep sleep on my face, and with my face towards the ground. Behold, a hand touched me, which set me on my knees and on the palms of my hands. He said to me, Daniel, you are a greatly beloved man. Understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for I have, uh, I have been sent to you now. When he had spoken this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, verse 12, don't be afraid, Daniel, for for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself, hmm, humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I've come for your, uh, your word's sake. Verse thirteen But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty one days. But behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, because I remained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is yet for many days. When he had spoken these words to me, I set my face towards the ground and was mute. Behold, and one in likeness of the Son of Man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth, and spoke, and said to him, who stood before me, my Lord, by reason of the vision, my sorrows have overtaken me and I retain no strength. 17 for how can the servant of this, my Lord, talk with this, my Lord, for as for me, immediately there remained no strength in me. There was no breath left in me. Then one, like the appearance of man touched me again and he gave me strength or he strengthened me. He said, greatly, greatly beloved man. Do not be afraid. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened. He said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I've come to you? Now I'll return to fight with the prince of Persia. When I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you that which is inscribed in the writing of truth. There is no one who holds with me against thee because, Michael, your prince. Right? And so what we have this beautiful story that... Daniel humbled himself before God. He turned his heart towards heaven. He's repenting for himself, repenting for his people, trying to understand how to please God. And that set this whole chain reaction of events, right? Where, the Prince of Persia withstood the uh, uh, Archangel or the angel, sorry, coming down. And then uh, Archangel Michael had to come and help and just to get the message. And it took so many days, right? But basically, the point is this God moved heaven and earth to get a message to the dude because he just humbled himself. Think about that. I'm going to sit on my face and I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast and I'm going to say, I'm sorry. And because of that, God's going to go, you know what? We're going to respond to this type of action. Now I'm going to send the heavens down. We're going to fight demonic forces just to say, we heard you. I mean, (laughs) you know, like, hey, we got the message. Just want to let you know. I got to go do a battle. I'll be back. We got the message. We're taking care of it. (laughs) Think of that. That's amazing. Right? And so he didn't have to do that. But God loves to do that. He wants to do that. He wants to be in your life. He wants to do these wonderful things to show you that, hey, I'm here. I love you. I care. But we often will put barriers up before God through Lack of repentance, lack of obedience, not doing what we're being told to do, not stepping out in faith, not risking, right? Not willing to take a, a step of faith that looks crazy, you know? And so we have to do that. If we want the best from God, he, he requires our best, right? Not half best, 50%, 90%, 100% is what it takes. Okay, so David, 1 Samuel 13, 14. But now your kingdom will not continue. Yahweh has sought for himself and man after his own heart and Yahweh has appointed him to be prince over his people because you have not kept that which Yahweh commanded All right so who is that of course it's David first samuel 16 12 through 13 he sent and brought him in now he was ready with a handsome face and good appearance, Yahweh said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the middle of his brothers. Then Yahweh's spirit came mightily on David, and from that day forward, so Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. And so, God is like, I'm looking for a man after my own heart, who wants to love me, and I want to love him, and we have this relationship. Right? And he goes, David, he's the one that's going to do this, and this is going to get really big at the Bible, at the end of the Bible study, okay? So this is be a big point, so we'll build on that, but we're going to stay focused. Let me top of page four, Elijah. Second Kings 2, 9 through 12. After they have reached the other side, Elijah said, Elisha, the Lord will soon take me away. What can I do for you before that happens? Elisha answered, Please give me twice as much of your power as you've given the other prophets so I can be the one who takes your place as their leader. Verse 10. It won't be easy, Elijah answered. It can happen only if you see me as I am being taken away. Elijah and Elisha were walking along and talking when suddenly there appeared between them a flaming chariot pulled by fiery horses Right away, a strong wind took Elijah up into heaven. Translated. Right? Verse 12. Elisha saw this and shouted, Israel's Calvary and chariots have taken my master away. After Elijah had gone, Elisha tore his clothes in sorrow. And let's read James 5, 17 through 18. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Not special. Okay? <laughs> let's put that in your head. Not superhuman. Like in my podcast, my why is Brother Lance angry? I don't believe in super Christians. It's just a cop-out not to try. Like, oh, he's a super Christian. He's just different. No, that's just a cop-out. We're all supposed to be, quote, unquote, Super Christians, but we all have the same nature, the same problems, right? And so let's keep reading. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it didn't rain on the earth for three years and six months. He prayed again; the sky gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So Elijah was a man, and or for you guys, ladies out there, women, you know, he was a human being in in this earth suit with the same tenacity to sin and rebel against God. But he got it right because he obeyed and he walked with the Lord, and because that. Hey, like Enoch, hey, Elijah, I want you. You done great, son. Let's go. He's like, you're not even going to die. I'm just going to take you with me because, yeah, you got it, right? And so we have to understand that Elijah was just a dude, right? We can't look at these people in the Bible like, oh, they're super people. No, they're obedient people. That's what they are. You know, and so you can be that. I can be that. We can obey God. We can put him first. We can love him. We can give him our all. Everybody can do it, right? That's the whole point. That's what Jesus came to prove. They're like, listen, guys. This can be done. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't mean we'll make mistakes. Cause none of the people in the Old Testament were perfect. <laughs> a lot of them, even Elijah. A lot of them had issues or doubts or you know did things off and you know. But there wasn't the point. God wasn't saying, oh, you have to be 100% perfect before we could be friends. He goes, no. I want the intent of your heart to be a holy mine. Now you might fail and drag your face on the ground every now and then. I'll forgive you for that. But as long as you keep coming my direction, we're gonna be good. Right? Because he understands our condition. Okay. So here we have Mary. Right? Luke 1, 28-33. Having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, you highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. In other words, you are it. Right? Boom. Boom. Hey, just so you know, all the ladies on the face of the planet, well, you're number one. 29, but when she saw him, she was greatly troubled at the saying and considered what kind of salutation this might be. 30, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God behold you will conceive in your room and give birth to a son and will call his name Jesus he will be great and will be called the son of the most high the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David right we talked about David earlier we're going to talk about it more and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever there will be no end to his kingdom right and so Mary was like hey you're greatly favored she must have been a pious humble lady who walked the path before God no guile in her heart right and, and, and doing things right. And God was like, you're the one that's going to bear my child. <laughs> Mind blown. You know, I don't, I can't even grasp it. But anyways, so we move on to Jesus, right? Matthew three sixteen through 17. So Jesus was baptized. And as, as soon as he came out of the water, the sky opened up and saw the spirit of God coming down on him like a dove. And then a voice from the heaven said, this is my son and I am pleased with him or I'm well pleased. Right. Boom, that's big, right? So Jesus, up to this point, I love this, because his ministry hasn't started yet. So this is this is like, you know, the stamp of approval for everything that happened up to that point. Jesus hasn't gone out and done ministry. He's come to get baptized, he's gonna go in the desert and fast for 40 days, get tempted, right? So up to this point, God is going, listen guys, you don't know what his life's been like and what he's been doing, but I'm telling you right now, he has gotten it right. And just wait to what you're gonna see next. But just know, up to this point, dude's got it. I'm pleased with him. There ain't no no fault with this one, right? And that's what that was. That was like, okay, guys, just let you know, he's got it. Okay, so Matthew 12, 17 through 21. So what the prophet Isaiah had said came true. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, whom I have loved, and whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will announce justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or shout, and no one will hear his voice in the streets. He will not break off a damaged c- uh, cattail. He will not put even put out a smoking wick until he has made justice victorious. The nations will have well, uh, will have hope because of him. Right. So this is a prophecy of Jesus. Right. And so look at all these things. I will. I put my spirit on him, right? And I, I, he will, I'll love him. I'll delight in him. And so all this has to do with the fact that Jesus was obedient, right? And so what did, out of did Jesus' only words, my father loves me because I only do the things that would please my father, basically, you know? And so he knew that the recipe for this relationship with God is obey God, okay? Mm-hmm. So that's our recipe. You want a close relationship with God? Obey him. It's not hard. I mean, people are like, well, that's so difficult. Only because we're being selfish and we have our own desires and we're in rebellion. But it's really not hard if you just go, well, that's one thing I have to do is be obedient. (laughs) It's not like God was like, "Okay, I want you to be obedient. You're going to walk around the world three times. You're going to swim in the English Channel 100 times a day. You know, you're going to build the Taj Mahal. You're going to go save 50 orphans. Mm -hmm. And then I might think about it. No, he's just saying, just obey me. Right? Look at all these other foreign religions and all the craziness they have to do, like India, where they'll sit there and roll on the ground across India for penance, for, for their mistakes and past life sins and stuff like that. That's dumb. God doesn't require that. He says, no, just from this point forward, just do it my way. Let's do it together. We'll partner. We'll be cool. Okay, so uh Matthew 17, 5 through 7. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, Behold, a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. To listen to him. Top of page five, verse six. When the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were afraid. Jesus came and touched them and said, get up and do not be afraid. So this is nearing the end of Jesus' ministry. So you at the very beginning of his ministry, hey, this is my son. I am well pleased. You don't know his life up to this point, but we're number one. We got it going on. He's mine. I'm happy with him. Here towards the end of his ministry, hey, he's still my son. I'm still pleased with him. He's still doing it right. I got his back. We have a relationship. Okay? Boom. So... Now, we have to understand that, yes, why Jesus didn't have to uh, do it like we're doing it. He still walked the path of a human and was obedient and did it perfectly, right? So I would love to have... What you said, you know, and that like constant like connection with God, but our sin put a barrier, right? And so Jesus had that benefit, but he didn't rebel against it. So basically, he re- walked out what Adam had. Adam had that connection and failed. Jesus had that connection that Adam had. He's the second Adam. He didn't fail in it. Mm-hmm. So praise God. Okay, so. Now that we have this list, right? And so if I just go up real fast, we we briefly talked about Adam. We got Enoch, Noah, Moses, Abraham, Daniel, David, Elijah, Mary, and Jesus, right? So these are people that said in scripture, people that are just like me and you that walk on this earth, deal with all of our struggles and still could get it right, right? That means you can get it right. Now, I'm not talking perfection. I'm just talking about a person that becomes sold out for God. None of us are perfect. We've already sinned once. You know, we already got a chip in the paint. you know. But by righteousness in Christ, you know, we can walk with God. Okay, so this next part is super cool to me, okay? It's another list, but it's an amazing list, okay? Let me read. Those who will stand before God forever. Here's a list of those who are who pleased God so much that he bestowed a special blessing on their descendants to be before his presence forever. Mm. Now imagine doing something so right that you bless every generation after you. Like you got it so good with God and you did, you pleased him so well that just because of what you did, just like with Abraham, faithful Abraham, you know, that, you, that line that you've created is blessed. Mm-hmm. So what does that tell you about God? That he wants to bless you so much, he wants to bless your children so much, he's just looking for somebody to stand in the gap and do it right. That could be you. That could be me. That could be us. All right, so let's look at it. We got Phineas, Numbers 25, one through 13 When Israel lived in Shittim, the people uh, began to commit sexual immorality with the daughters of Moab. These women invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods. Don't go, guys. Then the people ate and bowed down to their gods. When Israel joined themselves to the Baal-Peor, the anger of the Lord flared up against Israel, verse 4. The Lord said to Moses, "Arrest all the leaders of the people and hang them up before the Lord in broad daylight." So that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. So Moses said to the judge of Israel, judges of Israel, each of you must execute those of his men who were joined to Bel-Poor." Just then, one of the Israelites came and brought to his brother a Midianite woman in plain view of Moses and of the whole community of Israelites. Bad move. While they were weeping at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Verse seven. When Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he got up from among the assembly, took a javelin in his hand, and went after the Israelite man in his tent and thrust through the Israelite man and the woman, woman's abdomen. So the plague was stopped from the Israelites. Those that died in the plague were 24,000. Verse 10, The Lord spoke to Moses, Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the, uh, the priest, has turned my anger away from the Israelites when he manifested such zeal for my sake. Among them, so that I did not consume the Israelites in my zeal. Therefore, now I'm going to give him my covenant of peace. Oh, what a gift. Verse 13. So be to him and to his descendants after him, a covenant of a permanent priesthood, because he has been zealous for his God and has made atonement for the Israelites. Man, so but just because he was like, you know, I'm sick of this. This is not pleasing to God. You're hurting God. He's trying to be nice to you. And he got tired of it. And I'm, I'm assuming this probably was a, uh, a lady of the night and they were doing sinful deeds, you know, and he walked in amongst them and javelin them right through both of them. Boom. That's some hardcore stuff. But God was like, listen, guys, you have failed so much. I've been down here in your presence, walking with you, showing you how to do all these things. And here you are. Rebelling against me. I can't stand for that. I have to punish right and so uh, Phineas was like not not for my God, just like David. He's like not oh, no, We're not dealing with that. We're not taking that and God was like, you know what? Because you love me so much and you're worried so much about me i give you a covenant peace and you have a permanent priesthood for you and your descendants. So what does that mean? Phineas has a descendant somewhere right now doing things with God. That's what that means. It's a perpetual permanent priesthood Think about that. And so right now, Phineas' descendants somewhere or a group of them are serving God, serving Yahweh and Yahshua. All right, here's another one. I love this story. So how many times do you get to rebel against God or not do what God tells you to do and get blessed? Well, let's find out. (laughs) Jeremiah 35, 119, the Rechabites. The Lord spoke to Jeremiah when Jeroboam, son of Josiah, was ruling over Judah. Go to the Rechabite community and invite them to come into one of the side rooms of the Lord's temple, right, and offer them some wine to drink. So I went and got Je- Jezaniah son of Jeremiah, the son- a grandson of Habazazaniah, okay, <laughs> his brother and all of his sons and the rest of the Rechabite community. I took them to the Lord's temple. I took them to the room, into the room where the disciples of the prophets, Hannah son of e- Sticklea stayed. <laughs> that next room was, uh, was next to the one where the temple officers stayed. And above the room were Ma- Messiah, son of Shulam, and one of the doorkeepers of the temple stayed. And then I set cups and pitchers full of wine in front of, in front of the members of the Rechabite community and so they, said to them, Have some wine. And six. But they answered, We do not drink wine because our ancestor, Genonabeth, son of Rechab, commanded us not to. He told us, You and your children must never drink wine. Seven, verse seven. Do not build houses. Do not plant crops. Do not plant. Top of page six. A vineyard or own one. Live in tents all your lives. If you do these things, you will live a long time in the land where you wander about on. We and our wives and our sons and daughters have obeyed everything our ancestor Dinahab, son of Rechab, commanded us. We have never drunk wine. We have not built any houses to live in. We do not own any vineyard fields or crops. We have lived in tents. We have obeyed our ancestors to know and done exactly as he commanded us. But when King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon invaded the land, we said, let's go up and go to Jerusalem to get away from the Babylonian Armenian armies. That is why we are staying here in Jerusalem. Then the Lord, met, uh, Lord's message came to uh, Jeremiah. The Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, told him, Go and speak to the people of Judah and, criticize, uh, and the citizens of Jerusalem. Tell them, I, the Lord, said, You must learn a lesson from this about obeying what I say. Verse 14. Joannebub, son of Rechab, ordered his descendants not to drink wine. His orders have been carried out. To this day his descendants have drunk no wine, because they obeyed what their ancestor commanded them. But I have spoken to you over and over, and you have not obeyed me. I sent all my servants of prophets to warn you over and over again they said every one of you stop doing the evil things you have been doing and do what is right do not pay allegiance to other gods and worship them then you can continue to live in this land i give to you and your ancestors but you did not pay in or listen to me verse 16 yes the descendants of and son of recham have carried out the orders that their ancestors gave them but you people have not obeyed me all right drum roll please Verse 17. So the Lord God of heaven's armies, the God of Israel said, I will uh, soon bring on Judah and all the citizens of Jerusalem all the disasters that I have threatened to bring on them. I will do this because I spoke to them, but they did not listen. I called out to them, but they did not answer. 18. Then Jeremiah spoke to the Rechabite community. Drum roll. (laughs) <laughs> the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says, you have obeyed the orders of your ancestors Anabed, and you have followed all of his instructions. You have done exactly as he commanded you. So the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says, Jonah son of Rechab, will never lack a male descendant to serve me. Wow. So right now there's a descendant of this wonderful group of individuals serving God. Wow! He said, you will never lack for that. Because you have just listened to your dad or your great-grandfather or whoever how far ever back it goes, just because you were obedient to your own family members, you will be blessed. That the, another blow of the mind. I'm like, that's an amazing. So we got Phineas, somebody in his lineage is out there doing something for God. We have to recognize Phineas. Somebody right now is serving God. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. It's perpetual. It's like you will never lack for that because of this. Right? And unless we forget what happened, God told them to drink and they said no. And God honored it because they knew what was going on. So what does it say about God? He knew how they were going to respond, but he wanted to see their response to show it to Israel. Mm -hmm. Now, God honors parents. God honors decisions leaders make. You look at it in scripture, you'll find it. Well, because they said this is what we're going to do, right? And so what we have here is God honoring the Recapite community, their leaders, and their obedience. Mm -hmm so you can be that way you can do this for your family right and so but that's not all we have another one okay the sons of zadok ezekiel 44 6 through 16 say to the rebellious to the house of israel this is what the sovereign lord says enough of all your abominable practices o house of israel When you bring foreigners, those uncircumcised in heart and flesh, into my sanctuary, you desecrate it. Even my house, when you offer my food, the fat and the blood, you have broken my covenant by all your abominable practices. You have not kept charge of my holy things, but you have assigned foreigners to keep charge of my sanctuary for you. This is what the sovereign Lord says. No foreigner who is uncircumcised in heart and flesh among all the foreigners who are among all the people of Israel will enter into my sanctuary. But the Levites who went far from me, they're the priesthood. They're the ones supposed to be making God happy and doing all the services, straying off far from me after their idols when Israel went astray will be responsible for their sins. In other words, they're going to get their comeuppance. Verse 11, they will be ministers in my sanctuary, having oversight at the gates of the temple and serving the temple They will slaughter the burnt offerings and the sacrifices for the people, and they will stand before them to minister to them. Right? Real quick. Pause. What is he saying? They're going to be janitors. Hmm. That's what he just said. They're going to sweep the streets. They're going to do the menial tasks. And look at that in verse 11 at the very end, it says, and they will stand before them to minister to them. That was an insult, okay? Punchline, verse 12. Because they used to minister to them before their idols. It became a sinful obstacle to the house of Israel. Consequently, I made a vow concerning them, declaring the sovereign Lord that they will be responsible for their sins. So and you'll understand that they will stand before them and minister to them was an insult. You know, as the punchline came in verse 12, top of page 7, um, verse 13. Is where we're at. And so what we have here, what we're about to read, is you'll get the other part of the punchline. They will not come near me to serve me as priest. In other words, you want to serve idols, you want to serve these people, you want to worship their old gods with them? Fine, this is what you're gonna do. You're gonna be a janitor, you're gonna sweep the temple, you're gonna deal with old muck and mire, and then you're gonna serve them. Okay? Keep that in mind. This is what's happening right here, okay? Uh Verse 13 again, they will not come near me to serve me as priests, nor they will come near any of my holy things, the things which are most sacred. They will bear the shame of the abominable deeds that they have committed. Verse 14, yet I will appoint to them to be keep charge of the temple and all of its services and all all that will be done in it. Janitors. Okay, 15, but the Levitical priesthood, priests, the descendants of Zadok who kept the charge of my sanctuary when the people of Israel went astray from me, will approach me to minister to me. You see the difference now? Listen, you're going to minister to the people because they're worshiping the idols and you want to do that too. You're not going to touch my holy things. You're going to be janitors. Okay, but the Levitical priesthood, the sons of Zadok, they didn't rebel against me. They got it right. They didn't depart from me. They love me, right? And here comes the reward. Verse 15 again. But the Levitical, Levitical priests, the descendants of Zadok, who kept the charge of my sanctuary, when the people of Israel went astray for me, will approach me to minister me. They will stand before me to offer me the fat and the blood declares the uh, sovereign Lord. 16. They will enter in my sanctuary and approach my table to minister me. They will keep my charge. So what happened? So up until this point, all the little Le- Le- Levitical priests would take turns and all the different, they had a cycle and, you know, different groups would go through and get to be high and and do different things and things. And God was like, you know what? That just ended, right? And because this group of people got it right, the sons of Zadok, God was like, hey, your descendants are going to serve me now. And the rest of the biblical priesthood can go sweep the streets, basically. And they can bring in the wood and they can wash pots and they can do all this stuff and serve the people. They won't touch my holy things. Right within the temple, the menorah, the table of showbread, you know, this kind of thing. And so, but they got it right. So don't think your actions don't matter to your progeny and your children. Right. And it doesn't have this huge long-term effect that you don't even know. You're right. And so we're going to continue on. David and the throne. And this is where it's going to get interesting, I think. Well, all this is interesting, but this is even deeper. 1 Kings 2, 33. May Joab and his descendants be perpetually guilty of their shed blood, but may the Lord give perpetual peace to David, his descendants, his family, and his dynasty, right? David wasn't perfect. We know this. Bathsheba. Right, numbering the people, David didn't was not perfect. That's the whole point of the study. These were normal people that messed up, had mistakes, but they still found the place with God because they were willing to repent, good, and obey Him, and always turn back and just keep marching forward. Don't give up. Just keep moving forward. Okay, let's read the next one. First Kings two forty four through forty five. So we just read about his descendants and his family being blessed, right? A perpetual peace. Then the king said to uh, Shimei, I guess, You're always aware of the way you mistreated my father David. The Lord will punish you for what you did. But King Solomon will be empowered and David's dynasty will learn permanently before the Lord. Right? And so... We have David, you know, your descendants. Then we have Solomon. then we know Solomon messes up, messes up that the the lineage of his throne gets jacked up, but it gets restored, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. So God has kept His promise. But let's look at Solomon's prayer, First King eight twenty five. Now, O oh Lord God of Israel, keep the promise You made to Your servants, my father David, when You said You will never fail to have a successor ruling before me on the throne of Israel, provided that Your descendants watch their steps and serve me as You have done. Right, so Solomon's like, "Hey, God, you said this, right? Remember me. I'm a descendant. David chose me. I'm the new king. Remember me, right?" And of course, God does remember. First Kings uh, nine five through eight it says, "Then I will allow your dynasty to rule over Israel permanently, just as I have promised your father David. You will you will not fail to have his successor on the throne of Israel." Right? We've heard that saying, you will not fail to have a a descendant to stand before me. Perpetual covenant peace. We see all these terms God keeps using. Verse 6. But if you or your sons ever turn away from me, fail to obey the regulations and rules I instruct you to keep and decide to serve and worship other gods, Solomon, then I'll remove Israel from the land I have given them. I will abandon this temple I have consecrated with my presence, and Israel will be mocked and ridiculed among all the nations. This temple will become a heap of ruins, right? This is all prophecy. It all happened. Everyone who passes by it will be shocked and will hiss out their scorn, saying, why did the Lord do this to this land and to his temple, right? And so, yeah, there's this huge, you know, Israel splits and, you know, you got the two different kingdoms, Israel and Judah, and then you have this, the fake temple being built. And, you know, I mean, it's just a big, giant mess historically, right? But we get to Jesus. God keeps his promise to David. Okay. So God is still keeping his promise. So let's read Jesus, the promise kept to David. Luke 1, 32 through 33, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father. (gasps) David, Woo! promise kept to David. You will never lack. No one will sit on your throne forever because what you have done, son, I will bless it and it will be a blessing forever. And that promise was kept through Jesus. It says, He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will never end. Top of page 8. All right. So let's look at the prophecies. For as a child, he has been born to us. The son is uh, Isaiah 9 6 through 7. For as a child has been born to us, the son has been given to us. His shoulder responsibility is called. And is called Amazing Advisor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, number seven. Mm -hmm. His dominion will be vast and he will bring immeasurable prosperity. He'll rule on David's throne and over David's kingdom, establishing it and strengthening it by promoting justice and fairness for this time forward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of Heaven's armies will accomplish this, right? So this is what Jesus is doing. Let's go to Jeremiah 33, 14 through 18. I, the Lord, affirm, the time will certainly come when I will fulfill my gracious promise concerning the nation of Israel and Judah. In those days and at that time, I'll raise up from them a righteous descendant of David. Ooh, that's a prophecy. That's Jesus, right? He will do what is just and right in the land. Under his rule, Judah will enjoy safety and Jerusalem will live in security. At that time, Jerusalem will be called. The the Lord has provided us with justice. Verse 17, I, the Lord, promised. David David will never lack a successor to occupy the throne over the nation of Israel, nor will the Levitical priesthood ever lack someone to stand before me and continually offer up burnt offerings, sacrifice, cereal offerings, and offers to other sacrifices, right? So Jesus Jesus is the high priest. He's the ruler. He's, He's the one taking over the kingdom, right? And so this is amazing. God is keeping the promises to David. Yeah, Dude, you got it right you walked with me i'm starting something new because your heart is right i can build on that i can make something of this doesn't mean the road won't be bumpy but we're gonna build something great okay so i put right here insert your name here this okay so you know you got paper go ahead and write your name so i'm gonna write fictitiously right here at lance right that's me you write your name there it says this leads us to those who follow jesus you and me we are the descendants a royal kingdom right mm-hmm. so look at revelation 2 26 to 27 says he who overcomes and he who keeps my works to the end to him i will give authority over the nations he will rule them with a rod of iron shattering them like a the clay pots as i have received of my father mm-hmm. so you are part of the promise kept to david mm-hmm. those who believe in jesus christ get to become part of that descendants that lineage Right? Because he's the root of David. Yeah. He's the vine. We are the branches. We're springing forth from him. Jew or gentile alike, it matters not. If you believe in Jesus, it's you. Right? That's amazing to me. That's right. Praise God. So let's read the next one. Jesus is Jesus, never ending priesthood. We read that in the previous verse that we'll have always have a Levitical priest, right, to serve, right? And he's a, we're gonna read it right now, so I don't get of myself. <laughs> Hebrews 7, 19 through 28. Moses' teachings couldn't accomplish everything that God required. But we have something else that gives us greater confidence and allows us to approach God. None of this happened without an oath. The men from the tribe of Levi may have become priests without an oath. But Jesus became a priest when God took, on, took an oath. He, God said to him, The Lord has taken an oath and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Hmm, that's the promise to David, Right. And and, in the prophecies on Jeremiah and uh, in this way, Jesus had become the guarantee of a better promise. There was a long succession of priests because when a priest died, he could no longer serve. But Jesus lives forever. So he serves as priest forever. That is why he is always able to save those who come to God through him. He can do this because he always lives and intercedes for them. 26, but we need a chief priest who is holy, innocent, pure, set apart from sinners, and who has the highest position in heaven. 27, we need a priest who doesn't have to bring daily sacrifices, mm-hmm. as those chief priests did. First, they brought sacrifices for their own sins, and then when uh, they brought sacrifices for the sins of the people. Jesus brought the sacrifices for the sins of the people once and for all, when he sacrificed himself. 28, Moses is teaching designated mortals as chief priests, even though they had weakness. But God Promises, which came after Moses' teaching, designated the Son, who forever accomplishes everything that God required. Right? So He's the permanent priesthood that lasts forever, that we found in Jeremiah. I will have a, so a king sitting on your throne. I will always have a priest. Jesus is both of those. We just read that we get to be a part of that kingdom, that king, that you know, the kingship. We're princes and princesses right now. We'll, you know, will rule with Him. Right. So let's turn to page nine. Insert your name here. Okay. This leads us to those who follow Jesus, you and me. We are the descendants, of a royal priesthood. Okay. First Peter two, nine through 10. It says, however, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people who belong to God. You were chosen to tell about the excellent qualities of God who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not God's people, but now you are. Once you were not shown mercy, but now you've been shown mercy. Guess what you guys get? Guess what I get? All who believe in Jesus and obey him receive immortality. Amen. You will live forever, just like Jesus, right? Because his, his priesthood never dies. You will never die. Your service to God will never die. Praise God. Right. So you're getting the whole shebang, but we could follow this, this rabbit trail all the way back to what David did right. Right? And then you see God honoring David and bringing us Jesus. You see Jesus coming. Then you see God honoring Jesus and bringing you. Think of that, that you are a part of that promise that God made to David and that God made to Jesus. Praise God. I mean, if that doesn't stir something in your heart, you know? Yeah. So God has called you to be his friend, to be a part of what he is doing. And he's made a way, right? Praise God. Yeah. So it says, please see my study of the priesthood of Christians on my website. Cause that kind of goes into that more. So let's look at our closing. This says, I hope we can clearly see what kind of God our God is, how much he enjoys his children and how willing he is to be a part of their lives. More than that, how deep our relationship relationship with him can be. You can be one of these people we just read about. If you're willing and give God your whole heart and hold nothing back. As we close, let's read the following Psalm. David explores the deep love and care of God. Be encouraged with this beautiful Psalm. Okay? Let me read. Psalms 139, 1-18. through Here we go. Now, think about God. Think about yourself. Put yourself in this position. You've been called by God, right? God loves you. He wants to be in your life. Okay? So it says, you have looked uh, deep into my heart, Lord. You Know all about me. Verse two, you know, when I am resting or when I am working and from heaven, you discover my thoughts. You notice everything I do and everywhere I go before I even speak a word, you know what I will say. And with your powerful army, protect me from every side. Verse six, I can't understand all this. Such wonderful knowledge is far above me. Where could I go to escape from your spirit or from your sight? If I were to climb up to the highest heavens, you would be there. If I were to dig down to the world of the dead, you would also be there. Suppose I had wings like the dawning day and flew across the ocean. Even then, your powerful arm would guide and protect me. Or suppose I said, I'll hide in the dark until night comes to cover over me. But you see in the dark because daylight and dark are all the same to you. Verse 13. You're the one who puts me together inside my mother's wombs, and I praise you because of the wonderful way you created me. Everything you did is so marvelous of this, I have no doubt. Nothing about me is hidden from you. I was secretly woven together deep in the earth below, but you, with your own eyes, you saw my body being formed. Even before I was born, you had written in your book everything I would do. Your thoughts are far beyond my understanding, much more than I could ever imagine. I tried to count your thoughts, but they outnumbered the grains of the sands of the beach, and when I wake, I will find you nearby. Praise God, right? So what do we see here? We see this whole line from the beginning, from Adam and Enoch, all the way to the end, all the way to Jesus, all the way to you, right? this Bible study, like I said, has six pages more Bible verses. I left it out because it's already long enough. But the point is, is there's so much here to prove the point. We laid it on thick. God wants to be your friend. God has built a way. He put in all the effort. He sacrificed his son. He called you. He gave you his spirit, Right. He's done all the work. All you have to do is go, yes, Lord, I'll do it your way. You want to do something together? I'll do whatever you want. And that's what you have to do. And guess what, guys? Beautiful things happen. Doesn't mean life's easy. Doesn't mean you ain't going to have things in your life going on. It's just me. Now you're walking with God. You're walking with Jesus, the good shepherd, right? You're being led on a path. Read Psalms 23. That's a, a quite a journey. But guess what? Guess who's with you? God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, right? And so now you have a, a like a, a a a confidence that hey, this isn't it. I got a whole life to look forward to after this. This is this is work day. Payday's coming, right? So work today while it's still light and you can do your job because payday is coming. You know, and I want to be actively about God's business and God's work when He returns. because I know that makes him happy. The Bible says so, right? You know, it talks about the unfaithful servant and the master's gone and, you know, he takes it easy, kicks his feet up. We don't want to be that. So I hope this encourages you that God is looking for a friend. Decide now, do you want to be God's friend? Simple question. Do you want to be God's friend? If you say yes, and I say yes, then what it takes is sacrificing your life, giving it to him and giving him your whole heart and obeying him. In all things, at all times, ask for his help with it. Ask for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. He'll give you the power. You can't do it on your own. You need his help. But he's willing to give you the help. You just have to go, I want to do that. Okay? So if you say, I want to do that, then God's like, okay, let's do that. I mean, it's it's not this great mystery. There's people all over the world trying to figure out God. I was like, it's not hard. God, I know you're real. You sent Jesus. He died for my sins because I deserve to die, but you don't want me to. And so you made a way so I don't have to die. And all I have to do is go, okay, Jesus, what are we doing now? How is that hard? It's not. People make it hard because they're selfish and they're caught in their sin and they don't want to give things up. They're being ruled by their flesh. We don't want that. We've all done it. We don't want that. That's right. But if you just lay it brass tacks, my children can understand the gospel. And explain it. It's not like, well, estrogeesical and all these other things, you know, hermeneutics and all these big fancy farty words that mean nothing. Mm-hmm. It's this you're going to die. There's sin in the world. Jesus had to come and die in your place, so you don't have to. And all you have to do is turn to him, accept that sacrifice, and obey. Mm-hmm. Hmm? That's right. Easy. Amen. And what do you get from that? Everything. You get the entire universe. You know, you get all the blessings. Read my book, We Shall Be Like Him. You know, and It goes over it in great detail. You know, you get everything Jesus got. That's what you get, in short. You know, you want to know more about that? Read the book, you know. And so we have to be encouraged that God is not trying to shut a door in everyone's face. He's opened the door. He sent his son. He's paid the price. He put in the effort. He put in the work. And he's right now, as we read, his eyes are scanning the earth, looking for people like you and me to go, yes, Lord, I want that. I want you, whatever it takes, whatever I have to give up, I want you. And beautiful things will happen if you say it and you do it. Amen. Amen. All right, let's pray. Dear Father, we praise you. We thank you for everything. Thank you for helping us have this understanding that like, you're not a far-off God. It's sin that creates the barrier and the great gap and canyon between us, Father. And you breached that and covered it and put a bridge over it through the blood of Jesus Christ and our faith in him. We can't earn our salvation. We accept our salvation. But now that we are saved, we make a choice to be with you, to obey you out of love because we want to please you we want to make you happy we want to be your friend you know and we want you as our friend so we make that commitment now father to obey to repent and to walk with you in whatever manner, whatever ways, and we get rid of all the stupid excuses we put in our heads and our brains. Sure. We get rid of our selfish desires, Father, and we just submit to you in Jesus' mighty, holy name. And we ask for the guidance of the Holy Spirit to make this power uh, possible, to make us powerful in your will, and to do that is pleasing that you bring us conviction if we steer right off the path, and that you give us your grace and mercy to get us back on the journey. So we praise you, we thank you, and we love you in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. 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 If you feel so led of the Lord and want to know how to donate to this ministry outreach, please visit BrotherLance.com and scroll down to the bottom of the main page for the PayPal link. Thank you, and may God's blessing rest upon you. BrotherLance.com